You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. This is called Pirate Radio. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? You run around this city like it's your damn shooting gallery. Yeah, what do you do? What do you do? You act like it's a playground. You beat up the bullies with your fists. You throw them in jail. Everybody calls you a hero, right? And then a month, a week, a day later, they're back on the streets doing the yeah. same goddamn so, thing. So you just put them in the morgue. You goddamn right. Refuse for great geeks, cause round here we don't get geek. We don't care for the hate speech, that's why we ain't mainstream. So we linked up on the same team, no heights we can't reach. We are fan, we're hard true. If you feel the same, sing along too. Say great geek, great geek, refuge, refuge, great geek, great geek, refuge, refuge. Don't be a juice bag, cause round here we don't do that. Don't be a juice bag, cause round here we don't do that. Hello, friends. It's me, Mike Lonsford. I'm the editor-in-chief of The Great Geek Refuge. Maybe you've heard of me. Well, <laughs> of course you've heard of me. You're listening to me right now. Um, you subscribe to our podcast, and we appreciate that. This is another one of those podcasts. It is at the diner. Ta-da! We're on the GGR Pirate Radio Network. This is the first, like, official. This is the premiere episode. This is the big thing. We've been doing At The Diner on GGR Pirate Radio for um, over a year now, which is baffling to me. I didn't realize we were doing it that long. But now it's spun off into its own thing. It's going to become a new thing. We wanted kind of a fresh start with the podcast. Uh, We changed up the lineup a little bit. We've got some new people here, Um, some of the old folks that were involved in the podcast for a long time are no longer with us. Um, but that's okay, because what that does is that gives us an opportunity to live by our credo. We, we want to be as inclusive as possible. We want to involve other people. We want to have people who often don't get a voice in the geek community. We want to give them a voice. So that's what we're going to do. You're still going to hear myself. You're still going to hear MC Brooks. You're still going to hear James Rambo. But we've got this open fourth spot, and that open fourth spot is going to be for a, a, just a cornucopia, a cacophony, if you will a plethora, an overabundance, I love all these big words, of different guests who have different things to say, different perspectives, those sorts of things. But the big thing, as we talked about in in the prior episodes of GGR Pirate Radio, the big thing is, is they're all going to understand the concept. They're going to understand of what we stand for, how hate is not a voice that we will allow here. We're inclusive of everything except for hate, except for intolerance. So very simple thing. All of these people understand this, and that's something going forward that we're going to live by. But also, too, like a diner, we're going to have dope conversations. We're going to talk about the craziest stuff because the best conversations happen at the diner. But not only that, we're going to talk about food, too, because you can't go to a diner without talking about food. And since because of social distancing and because of this goddamn pandemic, we can't go to a diner together. So the least we can do is talk about food, make ourselves hungry, and then possibly make some sort of horrible food abomination in our own kitchens. Joining me. On this episode of At The Diner, I've got the guy who's been with GGR. Uh, It's going on three years now. Um, I met him at another group. Um, And 
when we left that group, I said, hey, you want to come with me to GGR? It's, it's about geeks and nerdy stuff and all about inclusivity. And he was like, fuck yeah. And he has been an awesome contributor since then. He's got his own podcast. It is called The Overflow. He's an amazing musician. You can check him out on Bandcamp. Um, do that because he gets a little bit of money when you do that. His name is MC Brooks. Defund Sonic Team. <laughs> <laughs> We've also got our third co-host in this. And I just realized, MC, that might mean that the dick joke that we were doing before where you're the third leg of the podcast is gone because now it might be Rambo's. He's the third leg. Unless, Rambo, you want to be the second leg. <laughs> I'll take whatever I can get. I'll take what I can get. Because <laughs> apparently it moves if you clench your butthole. Um, That's what I've heard. So... <laughs> so... <laughs> well... The listeners have no context. Oh, they don't. No, it's great. No it's fantastic. Yeah. Check out the GGR Facebook group page. It's fantastic. All sorts of crazy conversations are going on there. Uh, he's an amazingly talented artist. He is blessed with the gift of gab. I'm sure that he kissed the Blarney Stone at some point in his life. His name is James Rambo. Is that some sort of like sexual perversion? And the answer is yes. With kissing the Blarney Stone? Yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> I just, I, I know that if if you are in Ireland and you kiss the Blarney Stone, it gives you the gift of gab. I didn't realize there was more to it. Now I'm both fascinated and disgusted by this, so let's look it up. No. No, it was, it was a joke I made that didn't land, is uh, what that was. <laughs> God damn you. <laughs> As we embarrass ourselves further in front of our, our guest, first time on... The Airwaves with GGR. Um, you may have heard her on episodes of Fantastic Forum. In fact, she runs a comic book shop in the District of Columbia. Um, she's uh, just an incredibly knowledgeable person when it comes to all things comics, when it comes to Star Wars. Um, not only that, she's an awesome person too. Her name is Camille Richardson. Hello. So real quick, I want to get a little bit of information on the comic book shop because I want to give you a chance to plug what you do so <laughs> we can use these airwaves for good not for evil um, tell us a little bit about your comic book shop that you run Camille uh, well we were just voted best in DC this year and uh, we've somehow made it through all the COVID crazy uh, but we've been open to the public uh, since June and we do everything with modern comics single issues Graphic novels, toys, statues, gaming, all of that. You name it, we've got it. Variants, that kind of thing. So essentially, I'm the store manager. Um, I'm granted now through this whole crazy COVID stuff. You know, we've been understaffed, things like that. So it's kind of been like myself and one of the owners that's been doing a lot of it. And slowly, we're starting to uh, get some more help, which gives me a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. Because, <laughs> you know, as much as I love this stuff, I have been living it hardcore the last... I don't know how many months are we in at this point. Of I this think nonsense? we're closing in on five years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So eight years. Yeah, yep. Yeah. That's where Co I'm at. So COVID has been that bad. Um, you know what I did not do? We did not mention the name of the comic book shop. The name of the shop is Phantom Comics. That's Phantom with an F. Yes, thank you. Of course. <laughs> and yeah. we are gearing up towards the holidays, so we do have like a lot of good uh, promos coming up, including like this Saturday we're doing kind of like a, a mirroring of um, a fill-a-bag promo. So you come on in, you buy a, a phantom tote bag for $5 instead of 20 You can fill that bag with as much product as you can possibly fit, except 
for Magic the Gathering. And you get it all for 25% off. And then we'll also have some other stuff rolling out um, coming for Black Friday. And then, you know, staying tuned through to, to December. But we're all over the place. We're Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook uh, at Phantom Comics. And then our website, which is phantomcomics.com. Again, Phantom with an F. Fantastic. In fact, that's actually going to be added to our list of band names. Uh, Phantom Tote Bag just is like a <laughs> fucking dope band name. <laughs> it's some. It's something, since you're new, it, it's something that we do, we've been doing for, for years, where if we come up with something that sounds like it would be a cool band name, it gets added to the list. So That's fantastic. Some, some of the, some of the, here, since you're a Star Wars fan, one of my personal favorites is Hyperspace Kamikaze. Yes. <laughs> uh, we've also got Emo Bike Ride, which, I mean, everybody loves Emo Bike Ride. Uh, another Star Wars one, Greedo and the Nerd Holes. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Uh, and my, pers- my personal favorite, I mean, I've seen them in, in concert many times, and that's Kitty Cat Quinceanera. <laughs> so let's jump into the nostalgia, guys. The, the, the homework that I gave you, so to speak, was I, I wanted to talk about one franchise. Um, and, and ultimately, we'll probably end up getting into more because, you know, we're, we're chatty. That's what we do. <laughs> but I wanted to start with at least one franchise that you, as a kid, you just you fell in love with. And, and you could probably pinpoint the moment that you fell in love with it. Like you remember like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And like how it's lasted with you and like some of some of the best things with it. And what I want to do is I want to let Camille start since she's our guest. And that's always polite. You always let the guests go first. Um, Camille, give us any any franchise, anything that you want, and just kind of give us a little bit of insight on it, and then we'll all kind of comment, and then we'll we'll move on to our next uh, our next panelist as we discuss this. Uh, there are so many, but I'm gonna go with the one that is the freshest for me right now, which would be Star Wars. <laughs> so nothing wrong with Star Wars. Nope. And uh, I would, as I mentioned earlier, I was raised with my grandparents, so a lot nothing was spoiled for me. Nothing. So when they re-released that in '97, when I was 11. I went to the theater and saw A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back and Return without knowing anything. So, yeah, the whole, like, yeah, the whole reveal of, you know, Vader being Luke's father, everything like that. So it was seriously, like, the biggest high I had ever experienced. And I just became insanely obsessed. I can't tell you how many Star Wars Christmases I had, but I specifically remember that Christmas after that summer because I went to all of the presents I didn't care about any of them. I was just looking for one thing that had three VHS. I found it. I went straight to the TV, and I, for me, I popped in Return of the Jedi. So, awesome. that was that. That's fan. That is fantastic. Yeah. So, so you have like this moment, this very fixed moment in time. You were like, this is when I became a massive Star Wars fan, and you watched them in order, like as they as they came out in the theater uh, with the re-releases, correct? Exactly. What was uh, of those three? Well, I mean, I'm assuming you just kind of kind of gave it away, but Return of the Jedi was your favorite of the three? Yeah, Return of the Jedi was my favorite. It, you know, I, I fell in love with Leia uh, as soon as A New Hope. I mean, she was practically spitting venom in Vader's face, and she had no issue of taking over when the boys were clearly failing. So <laughs> she did what she needed to do and stepped in where she needed to step in. And, um, you know, growing up with grandparents, you know, they were very much about gender roles. That told me I didn't have to fit into a gender role. And especially with Return of the Jedi, of all, like, the badass things that you could see, here you have, like, she was my second role model of all time. And it's a lot to do with her going in as Boosh, as a freaking bounty hunter, and going to get the love of her life, and then taking out some disgusting slug. And then, you know, everything going down to, you know, the Ewoks, if we didn't have that 
pull, um, uh, uh, you know, her with the Ewoks, would we have even developed that relationship to defeat, you know, the Empire or anything like that? But, and the way they, they ended of, you know, there is another. So it really felt like that was kind of, of the three, more her shining spot. And it just spoke to me big time. Huge. It just gave me so much confidence as a female that I didn't feel. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's... Star Wars was, was big for me, too. And, like, it, it's funny, like, how you don't even realize what the stories are really, truly about until you're older. Like, the whole, like, hero's quest. Like, I, I still, like, when I... Um, like, because Joseph Campbell, like, did these, like, documentary series. And I remember having to watch them in college about, like, oh, here, here's why Star Wars is this. And here's why Star Wars is that. And remembering thinking to myself as you know i'm sitting in this college lecture wow i didn't think it was possible for anybody to make star wars boring but this guy's doing it (laughs) (laughs) and like realizing like how all of these things fit together and how lucas like crafted this but one of the things that you mentioned that i wanted to at least um comment on here real quick is i'm I'm trying to find the quote um at one point somebody was online and and they were ranting and raving about what am I supposed to tell my daughter when I watch Return of the Jedi and Princess Leia is parading around in a bikini? What am I supposed to tell her? And Carrie Fisher's response was, tell her that I was forced to wear that outfit and then I got mad so I choked the big fat slug that made me wear it. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> like right, though? Yeah. Like, Car- Carrie Fisher, God rest her soul, man. Like, she... She did not give a fuck, and that's one of the one of the things that I loved about her as well. Um, Rambo, uh, MC, you guys want to weigh in on uh, on Star Wars? Um, I know MC, you're still kind of new to it, like you're you're just now starting to get into some of the stuff and, and watch some of it. But um, yeah, give me kind of your your takes on it, guys. So, fun fact: it's actually the one year anniversary of me watching A New Hope for the first time. Hey, I I, I logged on my other Facebook profile earlier today and. Saw the status and was like, "Oh wow!" A year ago, I made the I made all those observations that made Mike crack up when I was watching uh, when I was watching it for the first time. Um, but as as a as a later as someone who you know is, is obviously coming to Star Wars uh, much later than than everyone else, um, I mean, I, I totally get the like the the hype and appeal of it, like because I, if I remember correctly one of the first things I said to you Mike when I when I was watching a new hope was like this seems very like advanced for like the 70s as far as like movies were concerned and like if I were watching it for the first time um, like way back then like I absolutely would have fallen in love with this just because I mean it's 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 a it's really well done the action scenes were were dope the story was simple enough to to follow like I said, the, the 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 graphics and the the sequences and everything like it just seemed very advanced for for the time. Um, so like, I I totally get the appeal. And like after watching all the the original the original trilogy, I think Return of the Jedi was my favorite also. Um, but I mean they were all really good. So like it's it's not like a, they were it was a hard thing to, for for me to really pick from. Yeah, I mean mine always. My favorite was always Empire Strikes Back. Um, the first one that I ever saw was Return of the Jedi, though. And that I, I watched that. I was like maybe four. 
and was like, this is the coolest thing ever. He's got this sword and it's made of light or something. It's like, and it's, and there's this robot dude and it's the robot guy's his dad. Like, I don't know what the hell's going on. This is so cool. And like going back and watching all the other ones. But then I still remember watching Empire Strikes Back and it's like blowing me away. Like thinking like, this is the coolest thing ever. And then like the first snow day that we had after that, like I had to, you know, put on my snow pants and pretend like I was Luke Skywalker trying to take down a ATAT all by myself. <laughs> Rambo, what about you in Star Wars, bud? What's what's kind of like your your first memory? Like, do you, do you remember when you first got introduced to it, or like the first time you were like, "Oh shit, this thing is pretty dope," or anything like I've that? Never had, like, I'm really bad at at you know having that kind of recall. You know, I know a lot of people can can think like, "Oh, my, the very first comic book I bought was this," or "The first novel I read was this." For me, like that kind of stuff, it's once it kind of comes into my life, it's like it's always been there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I definitely saw the, saw them before this, but I remember going to see the special editions of the movies, um, and being really excited about that. Uh, I, I, I very distinctly remember a friend of mine having an extra ticket to go see the Phantom Menace and us being so excited and then seeing the movie <laughs> and being so confused, like, why... <laughs> did those things happen um but uh it's funny i i uh grew up watching um uh like harlem nights and coming to america and all this stuff so for me i i hear james Earl jones voice and it's, it's king joffy Jaffer. um so so watching star wars as a kid like that was my my like secondary exposure to him um so i'm like wow what's this is, this is wild. What's going on? Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's it's you know, like MC said, it, for the, particularly for the time, it's, it's really revolutionary in terms of what they were able to do, and um, you know, really sort of set, setting their own standards and, and really pushing the envelope in terms of visual effects. Um, like the overall storytelling in the in the the stories, there's nothing like revolutionary about it, um, but it, it's a great example of you know you can. You can you can use a very formulaic story. You can you can hit your your notes exactly as they're as they're sort of paced out, um, you know, across myths and legends for for you know hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years. Um, but if the you know if your character is compelling, if your perspective is unique, you're gonna get something special. Um, and yeah, like of the of the new stuff that we've been getting. Um, I mean, look, first of all, let's just admit the fact that we will be long cold on the ground before they stop making Star Wars movies and Star Wars TV shows <laughs> and yep. all that shit. Um, because Disney is insatiable and, and you need to feed the mouse. Um, uh, uh, and, and to see now what they're doing with, uh, you know, good and bad, uh, expanding on the lore and um, sort of reframing things like... I always thought Darth Vader was cool, but I never thought he was scary until I saw Rogue One. Goddamn yes. right. And yes. the <laughs> end of Rogue One, when it's just this guy stuck in that corridor and that fucking red lightsaber comes on, you're like, oh no, it is the shark's <laughs> jaws. Those guys are fucked. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's so cool that you can, we, can, we can still see those kinds of things and... and and have that context shift and have that perspective be different. Um, 
And that's really exciting. I think that's that's a real testament to the kinds of characters, the designs, the 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 lasting ability of that franchise. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And like it's that's the great thing about it too, is like it's not like, you know, as previously mentioned in the cold open, it's not like Captain Power and the Soldier of the Future where it's, you know, fucking dead as fried chicken. Star Wars is a, Star Wars is alive, very, very much alive. And like you said, we're not going to see the end of it. And like, you can actually go see it physically. You can go to Star Wars land. You can go to Galaxy's Edge and Disney World. Trust me, Rub I've been in. there. I've seen it. It's <laughs> you'll get there eventually. Don't act like it's not going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's one of those things where it's just like. Yes, for better or for worse, Disney owns Star Wars, but they've done some really amazing things with it. And like, just to touch on this real quick, and then we'll jump to uh, MC, and MC will give us his. Um, one of the things that I love about what Disney has done with Star Wars is they've made it accessible to everybody. And here's what I mean. Um, Camille, you're kind of the outlier in this because a lot of times, like, Star Wars was not something that a lot of, it wasn't visible, but a lot of girls were into it. And it seemed kind of a very dude-heavy thing. And I'm walking through the various Disney parks, and I see little girls dressed up like Queen Elsa or dressed up like any of the various Disney princesses. And then they also have, like, a double-bladed lightsaber. And I'm like, (laughs) that is fucking dope. I was like, this princess is not going to wait for some prince to save her. She's going to fight her own fucking battle. And, like, that that's what's awesome about this is they're making it not just okay, they want everybody to be part of this. They that's that's why Ray is such an awesome character, regardless of how shitty she was written. Like, you now have this per it can become more than it was before. It can be available for all instead of just this very like insulated, like, oh, it's only these nerd boys that like it. Everyone can So I don't think it. it was marketed in any way towards females. You know what I mean? Like even yeah. with the stuff with Leia. Like, it, it just did not feel like it was marketed that way at all for girls. So, I mean, even had they had more available toys, figures, uh, clothing, what have you, maybe could have gotten more involved, but there was just nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, say what you will about Disney, man, but, like, that's one thing that they're, they're if they see a trend, they're going to be like, we're going to make this available for everybody. Because now there's, um, is it... Not Guardians of the Force, but they have a whole line of all of the female characters. Force is dense destiny. Yeah. Yeah, and they all they they have dolls and like they're they're badass and they have lightsabers and blasters and shit. And I'm like, this. Some is... of them are, but I don't feel like they're still at the same quality as a lot of like like some of the other toys though too. It's. It feels I, like I, there's a big yeah. difference. I see, what and, you're and that gets yeah. me a bit. I, I see what you're saying, but like it's. Like from from like kind of where I'm seeing it here, at least it's a start, and it can all it can only go it there, it can only go up from here. And I think the more interest you get, the more you're going to see of it. So true, even though they're still shafting Black Widow. But anyway, that's another <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll 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 shelf that topic for later. We'll talk about yep. that too. MC, give me yours, man. What is something that like you can pinpoint? You were like, I remember when I fell in love with this shit. Like, what, what's your what's your uh, your topic for t- this evening? Is uh, you guys know what my answer is, right? <laughs> I mean, me and Mike do. <laughs> gonna say you, you all know what my know what my answer is. It's very obviously Super Mario. Clearly, um, that's gonna. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, it's uh, it's. I mean, 
the resident Sonic the Hedgehog stand here. It's obviously for me, it's Sonic the Hedgehog. It's my favorite franchise, the one I follow, uh, probably the closest thing to a religion for me. Um, I would say, uh, so I, I have two two moments uh, that I can really point to. And uh, my dog got a squeaky toy. But at the exact moment, my mic turns on. <laughs> um, I can't. I can't even hear it, dude. No. All right. Well, I'm gonna leave him be then, because I keep I keep being afraid that I'm gonna be talking. All you're gonna hear is just like a thousand squeaks behind uh, behind my voice as you've I'm talking. Got a good, you've got a good filtered system, man. I don't hear anything other than you. All right. Cool. Win. All right. <laughs> okay. So. <clears throat> Uh, I, I have two moments that I can really point I can point to and it's only two because they're two different forms of media with the with the character the first is where, where I think the majority of people fell in love with Sonic the Hedgehog which is the video games um, so like my, my older I, I very I very distinctly remember my older sister got a, a Sega Genesis for Christmas one year once it was like 93 yeah once it was like 92 or 93 or something and uh, you know my, my parents got her Sonic 2 as one of the one of the games that she that she got for the, the console. And I mean, unlike most siblings, like my, my sister was was okay with sharing and letting me, the younger annoying sibling, you know, get some time. Like she didn't do the thing where it's like, yeah, you can play Tales, but my controller is really unplugged. Like it wasn't <laughs> like that. Like I actually got <laughs> got a chance to play. Um, Oh, but dick it, move, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I lucked out. I lucked out that my sister was not was not like that. Uh, but that, but I, I legit, she legitimately like let me play um, every once in a while. And I mean, that was that was my introduction. Like, I played Green Hill Zone. I want to say like thirty thousand times before I even decided to go back to go to the very next level, Chemical Plant. Just because I, I was like, this is just really cool, and like. I have memories of playing like Mario with my with my with my grandfather. My grandfather had a Game Boy, had Mario, had Tetris. That was really about it. And so like I I, I remembered I remember like sitting with him playing these old games, but Sonic was just something totally different. Mostly because like he was a fat he was a much faster character. It played totally different than like those old Mario games. So like that like completely grabbed my attention and like that was like. The, the origin point for me. Then the the second part was the the comics and the the cartoons. I mean, Jaleel White is my Sonic the Hedgehog. You know, like Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog was one of the first cartoons I remember watching as a kid, and uh, like I fell in love with it there. The the Saturday morning cartoon, which is much deeper, up you know like on a, when you reexamine it, a much deeper cartoon considering what the freedom fighters were doing i mean they're literally fighting uh an, uh an oppressive entity and eggman who's trying to destroy the forest like a lot of a lot of way more adult themes and elements in there than i obviously would have gotten when when i was much younger but those were those were the the, the cartoons and the comics especially where it was really where i got where like my, my fandom really kind of developed into where it is now because you know the games at that point in the late 90s like story like plots were not super they were not super deep they were you know as simple as you could come like you know go through the level let the animals out 
huzzah, you're the hero, you know? But within the comics, you got to see personality. You got to see the characters do stuff. You kind of got a real feel for, for who they were. And even though the, the Archie comics are all over the place, and Archie Sonic is arguably the most broken character of any character across media of any kind, that's where it started for me. That's awesome, man. Like, they, yeah. And, like, I know that it's been a rough ride for Sonic in, like, the last <sighs> few years. Um, how, how are you feeling about, where, like, the state of things? Like, I, I, it, they fixed the character model, at least for the movie. I know the movie wasn't perfect, but, like, are, are you at least, were you at least satisfied with what you saw? And, like, is there hope for the future? Uh, well... Because, <laughs> uh, like, on, on, like, I feel bad saying no because the movie is the most, I mean, it was the biggest movie of the year, which is not saying much because movies were only open for two and a half months. Um, the win. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, the, I mean, the movie, the movie was successful, and that, that it's, it's honestly a good thing because uh, Sega is losing money, like. By they were losing money before the pandemic, but now like the one thing they've been able to hold their to hang their hat on, they were forced to sell it very recently, which should you know set off red red uh, red flags um, among anyone who was like, oh yeah, you know Sega will figure it out because um, they had to sell basically their um, what is it like they they like they they had to get out of the arcade business, which is like where a ton of their money in Japan was, was, was coming from. And one of the only real things helping keeping them afloat as a company. Um, so like I, I have mixed feelings. So like they were on the right track, like at the turn of the century. So like the early two thousands, I mean, the early two thousands was, 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 uh, it was where a lot of people like myself also like kind of, like we got, we got a real glimpse into what the franchise could become. Sonic Adventure One and Sonic Adventure Two, which you know, which which um, um, which uh, which which was the the first redesign for the character because they 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 made him a little bit older, a little bit edgier, and kind of uh, sorry, thought I saw a spider in here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, we got the redesign, and then like you had you had you had games like Adventure One and Two, which. They weren't like they weren't as straightforward as the the old handhelds where you're literally side scrolling till you get to the end. Like you got you got a bit of story, you got uh, you got personality. I mean, they, they set up some really amazing arcs for for the characters and like 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 there's a great tweet I saw that kind of really broke down Sonic Adventure Two in a way that I don't think most people would think about the game, which is and I quote. Sonic Adventure 2 is literally about a state military body that directly mirrors the U.S. that frames and arrests Sonic to cover up the release of a cryogenically frozen state weapon they obtained through raiding a research station and massacring innocent people. That what? sounds way <laughs> heavier. That sounds way heavier than anything you think of when you play the game, but it's 100% accurate. And... It, it introduced us to Shadow, and like it just seemed like the trajectory for this character was was going up. But then, you know, Sega and Sonic Team decided to do 
what all terrible sports coaches do, which is they decide to outsmart themselves. And instead of, hey, we should just do the thing that works because it's working, they were like, hey, you know what we should do? Let's let's give Shadow his own game. But with uh, first-person shooters, you know, becoming increasingly popular, let's give him a gun. <laughs> and so it was like, like there was no real reason to do it, and they gave him a gun, and then Sonic 06 happened, and, you know, that was uh, a stain upon the video game industry as a whole. Uh, <laughs> and it's been it's been bad for a number of years, and then, like, they've had newer games come out, like Colors and uh, Generations, which kind of seemed like, oh, wow, hey, they, they may get this together. This could be good. And then they're like, hey, hey, guys, everyone like that thing we did? Let's not do that anymore. And then we got Lost World, and we got Forces. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, we did get Mania, which is, which is great, but, like, I mean, the, the vast majority of people are looking for, like, the next 3D platformer. Mania is cool. It's great for nostalgia, which is basically what it is. It's, it's nostalgia pandering that worked out because it's like, hey, remember those levels you liked from Sonic 1, 2, and 3? Well, here's... Here, here they are again, remastered, with a couple different twists in it, and that's basically all it was. Um, so like, like his, the thirtieth anniversary is next year, and like this was this year was supposed to be the year of Sonic because they had this big presentation planned for South by Southwest. Then you know, the pandemic happened, and we got base. They basically ghosted us for like five months with no information about anything that they had planned for this year. And then they basically came out and were like, hey, we know we didn't say anything, but we have stuff to tell you eventually. Like, we'll, we'll get to it eventually. And so, like, December 2nd, uh, there's some showcase happening in Japan, and we're, we may or may not get new information then. Um... Like, I, I got to say, just honestly, just to wrap this up, like, my hopes are not very high. Like, I get the feeling that the reveal is going to be, hey, brand new Sonic mobile game. And it's going to be like, uh, like, I mean, that's cool, but we don't like we 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 don't really want that. We want a good 3D Sonic where you all seemingly kind of understand who your characters are. That was another thing that they decided to do. They were like, hey, all that character growth and development from the first two adventure games? Yeah, let's scrap all of that. Don't need it. Don't no use for it. It 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 almost be like if they decided to like after the events of the original Star Wars trilogy, they were they decided to uh, in the sequels turn it into like a trashy rom com that really wanted wanted to be the Office in space. Like, oh, <laughs> like I just, just picture Han Solo like turning and looking at the camera like Jim did on the <laughs> office, right? Like it's just it's it's just like if you like it, like that's how egregious the 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 the, the misrepresentation of the characters are. They're like, damn, Shadow seems emo, so we should do nothing but make him emo, and and give him no depth beyond he is just emo because he is black, like. And that's that's basically it. They reduce all their characters to the worst stereotypes of them. So like, 
a, a competent franchise would have had something planned for the movie release, like a game or a TV show or a cartoon or merchandise would have been great. Not third-party merchandise that you can get on like T Public, like actual merchandise would have been great. But you know they didn't plan that far ahead, so I don't know what to think. Like on once on on one level, like like I'm I'm hoping that with the 30th anniversary they can give us they can give the fans what they want and you know and and like like not mess up anymore. And, and like do something that can appease like the younger kids because obviously it's still a kids uh, franchise, but also like appeal to those of us who have been fans for thirty years. And I'm not like I'm not saying they need to go like as deep and in depth as like a Sonic Adventure two story, but like give us something that like makes sense and like shows that you actually care. Because, and this will be my last point. The producer of Yakuza, the creator of Yakuza wants to do a Sonic game. And I want that to happen because I really think they should sell the Sonic IP to someone who cares. Like they have next year to get it right. Cause after next year, like I might have to I might have to jump ship until they can act right. <laughs> it's and it's disappointing too because like this year it was Mario's thirty fifth anniversary. Right. And like Nintendo went all out. Like yep. It was like, imagine that we're sitting at like a, a table, right? And we're at a birthday party and like Sega shows up and Sega's like, hey, I got you a gift card. And, you know, they're like, oh, thanks. You know, this this is this is great. This is very thoughtful. And then Nintendo shows up and they're like, hey, we, we made you this cake from scratch. And it, it, it's actually we, we took it from a picture that we, we have. Remember back in the 80s when we were together? And like all of a sudden, Mar like everybody's like, oh, that's so thoughtful and that's so sweet. Yeah. And, and not only that, we made this T-shirt line. Actually, there's like seven different T-shirt lines at, at, at various different stores. And they're all really it, it, like inexpensive. Anybody can pick them up. And like you're just like Sega and you're just like slowly like slinking down in your chair trying to like not be obvious that you give a really shitty present while <laughs> like Nintendo is like going all out. They're like, oh yeah, hey, by the way, look outside. There's a whole new video game system that's being delivered to your house that has special editions of all these games. Oh, that's so thoughtful. And everybody's like, wow, man, you really went all out. And Sega's like, yeah. We had a, a video on Twitter that we did. <laughs> there was a pizza party. <laughs> <laughs> You guys didn't get the, the donuts in the break room? <laughs> <laughs> like, this is why I brought the franchise up when we when we did the episode about development hell. Yeah. Because yeah. that's 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 the big that's a big reason. They're like, yeah, we could invest the extra time to make this good, but we should really just try to get this out by Christmas, which was basically what forces was. Like, yeah, we 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 could we, we could take time to get this right, but we really want to get this out, you know around this time so we're gonna do that instead we can focus on one game but why do that when we can make two and neither will be good <laughs> <laughs> what if we made more bad things instead of one good thing wouldn't you prefer that <laughs> it's crazy like if <laughs> if it like i swear if it, if it weren't for the comics i like I, there would be. I don't know what my anger, angry name is because you know Mike has double bird Lunsford. I don't know what my angry name would be, but <laughs> there would be a lot more angry me 
ranting about everything wrong because at least I've been able to say, hey, the comics corrected the fuck up from the games. So, well, uh, I, I've got I've got that at least. I'm I'm rapidly looking for a, a, uh, an angry word for you. Hang on. There's got to be a good. Sure. I mean, like. I mean, since it's been Master Cheeser for such a long time, I mean, like, I gotta find something for C now, because I got one. I mean, you're malicious, obviously, or menacing, or malcontent. <laughs> I mean, obviously. I mean, murderous. I'm trying to think of something in Sonic that starts with a C. Like, <laughs> I got nothing. Uh... <laughs> I mean, the only thing I can think of is chaos, and I don't know if that works. I don't know, murderous chaos, like murderous I mean, chaos. It sounds like something that like a seventeen-year-old would have as like their aim screen name. Like, <laughs> <laughs> message me a murderous uh, chaos, but chaos is spelled with a K. That's nostalgia right there. Yeah, wow. Yeah. K with no H. <laughs> <laughs> you have to write it down. He writes it down on like on your hand. So. You... <laughs> like k hyphen oss oh god and there's stars on both sides of it <laughs> god damn right there are multi-colored oh jesus oh. leaves leaves um passive aggressive song lyrics is there a way message <laughs> <laughs> a link to their myspace right <laughs> <laughs> where we oh, all actually, no, a link to their like, live journal i was gonna say like a, a, a live journal <laughs> yeah their live journal or their fucking zanga page or that Oh. Fucking! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh, yeah, Rambo, man. Like, what's what did you choose? Because I know that you probably have like eighty of them that you absolutely love. So I, I, I'm I'm very excited to see what you're gonna come up with. There's so many things. Do you want a video game or a movie franchise? Um, give me a movie franchise since we just heard video games from from MC. I fucking love horror movies. I have loved them for as long as I can remember. Um, and it's it's not the first one I remember seeing. I don't remember what the first one I saw was. But Freddy Krueger has always felt... He, I've always had a very special place in my heart for that arguably child-murdering, potentially molesting, like, <laughs> dream demon. <laughs> Um, there's something about the way that England plays Freddy. Um, like he, he, no one looks like him. No, like he sort of set the standard for a lot of, um, uh, portrayals of monsters and, in, in, in movies. Um, and, and starting with the first movie, you, you know, he, he, he's just really fucking scary and menacing. And then from there on, they, they, it's not so much that they nerf him as the focus becomes less on, um, let's look at these kids and how they're going to deal with this monster, and more like let's watch Freddy kill a bunch of kids, um, and and I think he was one of the 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 first real sort of um, breakout horror stars in terms of like, a, of like a big franchise. Like I mean, you have the Universal monsters, um, you know, you ha you have all these things that sort of like. Our, our, our mainstays in in that genre uh, but Freddy Krueger becomes this like you know uh, uh, um, point of reference for the for a, a certain kind of movie um, 
And yeah, I remember seeing those movies as I was when I was a kid, and I would occasionally have nightmares. But it would all—it would also be this sort of desire of like wanting to be friends with him, like wanting to hang out with Freddy, um, even though again, murderer, specifically children, child murderer, um, and uh, yeah, like his sense of humor, the fact that it wasn't just. Um, I'm going to stab you in the face now, and now you're dead. Ha 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 ha. It was, you know, the the hook of Freddy can only get you when you fall asleep, but eventually everyone has to go to sleep. Um, that's fucking creepy, uh, and that's a really interesting, unique hook. Um, the, the, the fact that, like, there would be sort of a power shift sometimes between the, the victim and Freddy... Where, like, on occasion, they would get the upper hand because, you know, like, well, it's my dream, so if I'm if I'm able to, like, lucid dream, I'll be okay. And at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, you can kind of do that, but at the end of the day, this is, this is my house. Like, <laughs> you're not in charge here. Um, so getting to see him, like, flip the script back on people where, like, you know, okay, no, I have all this power... No, you don't. And in fact, I'm going to use the thing you created against you to make it all the worse. Um, it's, you know, he he's a character that is um, easy to root for, even when he shouldn't be. Um, one of the things that I thought was really cool, and then they abandoned it in the movie, and it was such a bummer, was in the remake of, of Nightmare on Elm Street with Jackie Earl Haley. Um, they don't go for the funny Freddy. Like, we're going original movie, scary motherfucker. Um, you know, I'm I'm here to kill you, teenager. Um, there is this insinuation that Freddy might actually be innocent and that all the parents in Springwood killed an innocent man. And so Freddy is totally justified in killing all of their kids. Um, and you're like, oh man, it's this, it's this like full on hardcore revenge story. Like this is hundred percent your parents' fault. And then it becomes, no, not only did he kill some kids, he probably fucked them too. And you go, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, <laughs> so unnecessary. That was, did you, did we really have to like, oh, I, congratulations, Lord of the edge. Like that's <laughs> very impressive. Um, but yeah, like, you know, England's portrayal of that character is, is, um, like foundational horror stuff. Um, you know, the eighties are, are known for among other things, like really setting standards in terms of horror cinema. Um, and you can't really talk about horror movies without talking about that franchise. I mean, I think there were like nine deep, seven, maybe eight or nine deep. Um, and then you get, you know, J uh, Freddy versus Jason, you get that franchise crossover. Um, and the, hell, the first time I heard Robert England speak and I was, I, I was just so taken aback because he didn't sound anything like Freddy did. And it's because I didn't realize that they, uh, uh, they shifted his voice down, uh, um, when they did the actual like ADR recordings. So... Robert England is speaking as Freddy Krueger, but then they go back and they digitally drop the the tone on it. Um, so See, like, I thought I thought he did that. I thought he 
lowered his voice. No, if you, okay, if, you wow. if you uh um if you really listen to to the way he speaks, it is bassy in a way that is kind of inhuman. Particularly if you hear Robert England speak uh, uh normally, um he's got this very sort of not high pitched, but like moderate tone rasp to his voice and so when they when they pitch it down, it becomes this really gravelly bassy noise. Um, and, and yeah, the, 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 like the, the, the sort of like soft rasp he has becomes this like really fucked up, like growly kind of thing. Um, and it's, I mean, like one of the first times you see that character, um, he, you know, from a, just from a character design perspective, you see his silhouette and he has this perfect design. Like no one looks like him, um, where he has like, you know. He, he, somebody's running from him and he comes around a corner and it's, and, and you just see this image of, you know, this, this silhouette of, you know, this lanky fedora wearing thing with like a drop shoulder and some sort of horrible, like, like knife hands. And you're like, what the fuck is that? And it's one of those things where the, the, the actual, like the, the 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 practical elements of the thing ne necessitated the, the design, um, the the cloth that 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 England wore in the first movie was super heavy, and so he he you know when he walks into the scene and he drops his shoulder, it's because it's just so goddamn heavy in his hand, um, but like you get this contrapposto thing and he just looks so cool and weird and kind of like broken um, that, you know, you there's, 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 so you, you, you know, there's, there's definitely power in keeping a monster um, mysterious. Right. Um, and, and, you know, I mean like psycho, the entirety of psycho is built on, uh, never seeing, you know, who's killing anybody until the very end of the movie. Um, like even when you, when you like technically think, you know who it is, the, the full on reveal is still like really impactful. Um, and Freddy Krueger is one of those characters. It's like, no, 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 he's right out right in front of you. There's, there's, there's no reason for us to hide him. Um, because there's nowhere you can go. Uh, to escape him, and like that is really fucking cool. Um, but yeah, uh, 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 the the movies kind of vary in quality up and down. But honestly, I'll watch all of them. Um, and uh, yeah, I I uh, I've just always had a real appreciation. For, I, I feel like a lot of people who, who are big on horror stuff, particularly like big genre stuff or big franchise stuff tend to kind of like pull one way or the other in terms of like Freddy or Jason. Like my friend Jordan is crazy in love with Jason movies. Um, and Freddy was always the one that would like crack wise as he was killing people. Um, and it, and it made for a more creative experience too. So you'd get stuff like, you know, the, the, the girl who is, he was a junkie who's finally gotten clean. Um, and you get this shot of Freddy like turning his hands and instead of their knives and now they're syringes. Um, and and the, all the fucking track marks in her body are like like gasping mouths. 
Um, like, that's fucked up, man. <laughs> that is really disturbing. <laughs> um, but Great, the, Camille's the, never going to come on again, Rambo. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Welcome. Um, like, it's 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 super creepy, but it, it, there's a, there's this level of creativity and and um, and visual interest that you don't get from a lot of horror stuff, which I really really thought was cool. Um, and, then, and you know, you get to see a lot of like little guest appearances from people uh, growing up, which is awesome. Like Johnny, one of Johnny Depp's first roles is the first movie. The um, the other thing that was interesting about this, and this is just kind of a weird side note, because I had no idea you were going to pick this. Uh, Jax and I are slowly but surely getting through The Simpsons. Like up, like we're into the the meat and potatoes of the really good episodes. Okay. And we we got to the Who Shot Mr. Burns episode, oh. and I was explaining to him how vastly different it is now than it was then because then it was like this big event and the first episode was aired like in like May and then we didn't find out the episode two and who actually shot Mr. Burns until like that that fall until like September so we had to wait that entire summer and then after that one I completely forgot that the Treehouse of Horror was the one with Willie as um groundskeeper oh, Willie was, was Freddy Krueger <laughs> and like I forgot how ingrained in society Freddy Krueger is. And I'm watching this and Jax doesn't understand it because he's never seen Nightmare on Elm Street. And I'm trying to explain it to him. I'm like, Freddy was like, he was a horror villain, but he was kind of funny. And he was like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, okay, I could see that. And I was like, yeah, he just, he would like, you wanted to hate him because he was a bad guy and he did all this bad stuff, but he was, he's pretty fucking funny too. And like, yeah, it's, that's how you know it's a good character when it's a villain. And you almost root for the villain. Yeah. Yeah, like, like, there's no reason in the world why anyone should be on Freddy's side. And ultimately, I'm not. Like, no, man. You, I, I, I actually, I saw a, a Facebook post today um, where somebody was like, oh, yeah, they're, they, this person's my favorite character. And I'm like, but they're, they're such an asshole. And I was like, I didn't say they were a good person. I said they were a good character. Like, <laughs> those two things are not the same. Uh, you know? <laughs> um... And and I think that gets lost a lot with people is is that that not quite understanding that one can exist and, and that it can be one thing and not the other and still be appealing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no man, that, that that fucking character like across the board, like even even down to like um, when when New Nightmare came out uh, and they and you get the first real redesign because like there have been apparently between. Uh, the first and second movies, like no one thought they were going to make another one, so nobody kept any of the designs or the makeup. Um, so the the Freddy makeup in the second movie is brand new. Um, like the designs are brand new. Like like they you know they had the first movie to kind of look at as reference, but they had to look at the movie as reference. Like they didn't actually have any of the internal stuff. Um, so he looks a little different. Um, and uh, you know, sort of every movie there's there's like minor changes. But with New Nightmare, he is a brand new version of that character. Um, to the point where, like, the claw, because like the, of the nature of the story, the claw isn't something he wears. It's something he has. So all the actual, like, it, it looks like this weird, like, bony growth on his hand. Um, and it's fucking crazy looking. And it's so, like, strange and disturbing. Um, but yeah, man, Nightmare on Elm Street stuff. I fucking love those movies. I'd watch them all the time. Camille, I wanted to ask a question because you had mentioned that you, you grew, grew up around your you, your grandparents raised you, and that caused you to be kind of I, would, I don't want to say sheltered, but like protected. In oh, the way. I was isolated. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You, 
You you said it, not me. Okay. Um, <laughs> did that mean that you didn't really get to see a lot of horror movies? I mean, you mentioned that you got to see The Exorcist at like 12 or 13 and that freaked you the fuck out. Like, it, did you ever get exposed to any of like The Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th or any, any of those types of movies growing up? Dude, I didn't even see Nightmare on Elm Street until sometime in my 20s. And like, it's not to say I didn't even go through like horror movies because like once I got to like, like I had my phases, like I was like a punk kid in high school. And at a certain point, like I got into all the George Romero stuff and got into all that. And I re really wasn't like a huge slasher kid um, kind of fan. It was more like paranormal and more like kind of like zombies and that kind of thing. But e even still, like certain big ones that you think you should have seen, I, I, I there's some I still have not seen. Um, I think I've only seen like Halloween once, uh, Nightmare Before Elm Street once. I've never even seen the original Friday the 13th. You should. It's very much. It's I know. Very much worth watching. I'll get there eventually. <laughs> you know, I'm only in my second round of Clone Wars, so you know. <laughs> priorities here, Rambo. Priorities. priorities. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about that. That's not something that we've talked about on at the diner, and we might have to backtrack and do this as another episode later because we did miss it on Halloween. We never really talked about our favorite horror movies, so we might what have to do, do that for October. Well, well, yeah, I mean, obviously, but now it's November. I can't go back in time, Camille. Jesus. <laughs> but this year doesn't matter. Yeah, that's right. No, exactly. Hey, yeah. Time is relevant. Yeah, yeah. It's or currently, irrelevant. you know, yeah. what are we going to do for this May? Wait, what? Don't you mean August? No, sorry. I was talking about September. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In July, we'll talk about this. <laughs> yeah, we'll just do, next episode, we'll just do horror movies. On Like, on Thanksgiving, we'll do horror movies. We like a just end like... up in some weird spot. Yeah. yeah, we. I mean, we did. We did all four episodes. What the fuck did we talk about in October? No, <laughs> I don't even know who. Who are you? What is going on? Uh, Happening now, though. I didn't watch The Simpsons at all until like I was like no shit, like sixteen. Really? Wow. No joke. They would not let me watch The Simpsons at all. That's I. I got a little bit of that too when I was a kid. I remember my dad saying like, "Oh, I don't like." that they think being an underachiever is a good thing. And then like slowly but surely I'm still watching the show and he would walk by and laugh at some of the jokes. So I was like, well, that, yeah, that whole, that whole thing didn't really stick to it, dad. It's always <laughs> funny to hear what some people are okay with and some people aren't. Um, friend of the show, Ulysses Campbell, uh, when I was working uh, at Big Monkey Comics, when we, were first, when we were still in DC back in 2005, 2006, um, I remember him coming in with his his kids, uh, his his then tiny daughter, um, and her, you know, uh, 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 seeing Calvin and Hobbes and being like, "Ooh, Daddy, can I have this?" And he goes, "Absolutely not." You know, we've talked about this, and and I, you know, I let them finish the conversation, and I, I kind of pull him aside. I'm like, "She can't read Calvin and Hobbes," and he goes, "No, she can't, because the last time she did, I found her in the kitchen." naked getting cookies and I go, oh <laughs> that is not a situation i would ever have considered but yes i could see how that might be a problem we, <laughs> like interesting Calvin story is not a uh, a role model <laughs> we had to stop we had to stop letting jacks watch bob's burgers because jacks <laughs> watched the episode of it was whatever the talking toilet's name was yeah and he decided because we we checked the water bill one month and it was like double what it normally was and we're like what the fuck is going on and one night sandy and i are laying in bed and we hear this splashing going on and we're like 
the fuck is that when we go? And we see that Jax has got an entire pitcher of water and is dumping it into the toilet. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I saw this on Bob's Burger. You know, the toilet's thirsty, so they're giving it water. And I'm like, that motherfucker. Like, <laughs> I mean, he was little. He was like five, maybe six. Like, but like. I mean, I your water bill is quarterly, so if it doubled, how long was he doing that? I have no idea. <laughs> This kid was devoted to making sure that that toilet was well fed and stocked with water. So, phenomenal. All right. So I just realized I haven't talked about mine yet. So let me yeah, do man. that. Let me let me rectify that. So I I could go I could do Star Trek as well or Star Wars as well because I'm a huge Star Wars fan. But when it comes to nostalgia, when I think nostalgia. I don't think Star Wars as much because it's so prevalent now and because it's it's so here. And like it's been that way for a while. Like they've been working on I mean, the prequels and like the cartoon series. Like Star Wars never really like stopped, which is a good thing as far as I'm concerned. But Star Trek on the other hand, Star Trek has had a couple of close calls where it was almost done because they fucked up. And I'll give you some examples. <laughs> Long before I was around, um, they canceled it after three seasons. And it, it's really interesting if you look at the history. I'm not going to delve really far into it. But, like, the history of Star Trek is really, like, you can thank a lot of the things that we see in a normal year when it comes to, like, conventions and stuff like that. A lot of that came from the Star Trek fandom. Like, Star Trek conventions were kind of like the modern precursor to what we see comic book conventions are now. And letter writing campaigns and, and a connected community like Star Trek fans when the internet first started were already making like like Star Trek fan boards and things like that like where they could post and they could communicate with each other it's always been a really interconnected community and because of that it resurrected the series if it wasn't for the, the fan response they never would have done the first uh, Star Trek movie uh, the motion picture which is three hours of like it's basically like every Thing that Star Trek shouldn't be like it was lots of, like not a whole lot of like really good story or dialogue it's just like ooh take a look at this shot of the Enterprise isn't that pretty like that's pretty much what most of that movie was so it almost lost fans again it almost lost the franchise again and they were like no we gotta do another movie it made a lot of money it didn't do as good as we had hoped but we gotta do another one and they saved it again with Rathacon because Rathacon was way under budget first off and then it made an ass load of money. So like the studio was just ecstatic because of that movie. They got the rest of the series because they got three, four, five, six and the next generation sprung from that. And whenever I think nostalgia, that's the first thing I think of is Star Trek, because as a kid, I still remember the ABC movie of the week. One week was Star Trek three, the search for Spock. And back in the day, if you wanted to watch a movie and you had to go to bed you would just record it on your VH on your VCR, right? And we recorded it on the VCR. And the next day when I got home from school, I was very, very excited because I got to watch Star Trek Three. I watched that movie so many times, including the commercials, that if I watch the movie now, I can tell you where the commercial breaks were and what the commercial was for. That's something I don't normally admit to people, but you know, we're nerd friends here, so I can admit this to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was so cool because, I mean, like, Star Trek is just one of those things that was, like, woven into our, our, our cultural DNA. So, like, in this one movie, 
Spock's dead. You're like, oh shit, Spock's dead? They have to go get him from this planet to try to like save his soul, basically. And then like they steal the Enterprise to do it. And then they have to blow the Enterprise up because the Klingons get it. So it's like, it's this really like emotionally impactful movie where all this shit's going on. The Voyage Home, I remember being little and seeing that with my, my mom and my dad. We went and saw that in the theaters. I remember Star Trek V and how fucking horrible that movie was. But I was also a little kid at that time. I think I was seven when that came out. And I went and saw it in the theaters with my 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 aunt, my um, my mom's sister. And, like, I got the big popcorn and I got the soda and I got the whole thing. Like, it was just this, this whole event. And, like, because I had these people who loved this series so much, they were, like, the ambassadors of it like my dad was like hey let's watch all of these movies my 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 aunt was like hey i have the old series on tv or on uh, on uh vhs you can watch these um and then when the next generation come out uh, i started watching that too and like to this day that's a a safety blanket for me like a security blanket like if i can't sleep if i'm fighting um insomnia really really bad or just having a really really bad bout of depression i will turn on star trek the next generation because for those of us who grew up in the D.C. area, it used to be on D.C. 20 at like 9 p.m., 10 p.m., something like that, every single night. And you could just turn on Star Trek, and that's what I would fall asleep to as a kid. This shitty-ass TV that I had in my room that had horrible reception, I would watch Star Trek The Next Generation as a kid, and it would, like, lull me to sleep. So I still will turn that on now. And, like, I still remember that first time watching it. I still – and why it's, like, still resonant now – is I'm watching these episodes of Star Trek that I haven't seen in 20, sometimes 30 years, and I remember them being boring as a little kid. Like, when they're talking about Data, and is Data really a person? Like, is he a sentient being, or is he just, you know, a piece of property? And thinking, like, this is boring. When are they going to blow up some more Borg ships or something? <laughs> and then seeing it as an adult and it moving me, like, emotionally, I was like, this is an incredible episode. And, like, that's what's awesome about it. But not only that, it's it's come back like we've got the new series two new series you got discovery you've got picard you're gonna get a third one with the um with uh captain pike anson mount as uh the captain of the enterprise so you're gonna get to see these old stories but like it's not what i love about it is that you're seeing this hopefulness that it's always stood for and there's so many old school fans who are just shitty right now and they're like it's not star trek it's i don't like it and there's too much lens flare and, and the people are too emotional it's just like grandpa just yeah, sit down sorry. just stop like just let it go like let a new generation have this like this is the same thing people said about the next generation and like are there gripes are there issues that i have with the new series with discovery and with picard yeah but it's still star trek and it's finding that soul of the thing that you love and advancing it forward and bringing it to a modern era and bringing it to a whole new audience is just incredible. And like that, that's why it's, it's important. That's why I would, whenever somebody's like, how do I get into Star Trek? I'm like, fucking, let me tell you, like it's <laughs> Star Wars is one of those things. I feel like everybody can access. A anybody can access it at any time. Like it's just easy. You can pick it up. Star Trek is one of those things I think it's hard for people sometimes to get into because it's overwhelming. There's a lot of it. And like when you ask like, well, where should I start with Star Trek? I think the answer is wherever the fuck you want. It doesn't matter. 
because like you don't have to know all the backstory. Like a lot of people are really, really dead set on that. They feel that like, oh, I have to know every single thing about this thing before I get into it. And I have to start from the very beginning and work my way through. That's what's great about Star Trek, man. Same thing with Star Wars. You can jump in anywhere. You, you can watch The Mandalorian and not have seen the original three movies. You'll miss a lot of Easter eggs, but like, so the fuck what? Like, you're still getting a good story. It's not like they're they're not telling you any anything. Like, when Katie Sackhoff showed up in this last episode of Mandalorian, she introduced herself. She said who she was. Like, you didn't need to know who she was from the Clone Wars. It just made it that much more fulfilling if you did. And honestly, like I could imagine watching Mandalorian and then going back and watching Clone Wars and being like, oh, oh shit, there she is as a cartoon. It's the same thing with Star Trek. It's like, oh, so that's what they were talking about. Okay, okay, they referenced this in this movie. Oh, well, now I get it. All right, this makes sense. Like, all you're missing is in jokes. And like, that's one of our goals at GGR is to make things accessible to everybody. And like not put up these walls, like the gatekeeping walls of you can't watch this unless you've watched every single episode and you've read the technical manuals and you know that a sh uh, a, a Federation starship at warp is not actually going faster than the speed of light. It's creating a warp bubble and it's actually traveling at a normal thing, but it's folding space time. Nobody fucking cares. The shitty elitism like comic book men. Like, no. Ugh, exactly. God, show. exactly. Fuck that show. Ugh, I mean, just fuck, yeah, just fuck New Jersey in general. I mean, like, honestly. Like, <laughs> Sorry, Leah. I'm not. Um. Hey, guys, it's Mike. This episode of App Diner went a little bit long, so we split it into two. We got a lot of great bonus content for you in the second episode, so make sure you tune into that on whatever streaming service that you listen to our podcast on. But more importantly, thank you so much for listening and being part of this. And remember... Together, there are no heights we can't reach. This has been Pirate Radio Network production, Juice Bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy! <laughs>